am Jacob Stevenson. And I'm Josh Way. And welcome back to our podcast here at Shutter Speed Media. This is a podcast for people interested in video and photo production in the automotive industry. Our goal is to share, educate, and entertain you guys with stories, experiences, and content that we've created. Plus, bring on guests to share their experiences in this field. Today we're talking about Crown Rally West, which is the first rally that the Crown Rally organization has done in the Western United States. It started in Denver and uh, ended in Las Vegas. And today we're going to be talking about our experience on that rally as the film and media crew. Uh, There was four of us, and uh, we're just going to go through... Uh, kind of everything that we're from start to finish about uh, the video side of things and running the rally ourselves and all the stories we came home with and uh, great and bad experiences. Um, mostly good uh, this time. Mostly good, yeah. But there were some uh, there were some interesting moments for sure when we're going to share those with you over the, the course of this podcast. So, Jake, why don't you start us off with um, kind of starting the, the, the production side of things with the... Uh, the rally prep. Yeah. Crown Rally actually, for us, probably began three, four days beforehand because Crown Rally is actually based out of Minnesota here. And the start of this one, the start of this one is in Denver, Colorado. So our rig car got picked up by a shipping company um, the Wednesday before the launch. No, I think even sooner than that, probably Tuesday. Nope, I lied. It was, it our, was, it was Friday. It was Monday. Monday. I got picked up on Monday, okay. the week before, because it had to be driven from Minnesota to Denver, and then we flew out and met it at a very cool place called Black Mountain Motorworks. Motorworks. So we uh, flew into Denver the Wednesday before the rally, and uh, took an Uber right to Black Mountain Motorworks, where uh, that place is owned by John Wetzel. Big shout out to him for taking great care of us to start the rally and all the rallyers cars which was he set that location as sort of the trucker drop-off point so he could store them indoors in his uh, great facility there until everyone arrived uh, to pick them up so and that's where our rally cars were or our camera cars were mm-hmm. uh, sitting for a few days until we got there we had both the bmw one series and the m2 shipped out and uh, we all flew there and met them so the the one series you guys have seen uh, the the M2 is a, is a new camera car for us. That was a secondary car um, driven by our friend Jonah, and that was just meant to be sort of a support vehicle and then also um, kind of a B-roll rig for flybys and, and carrying um, one, of our, one of the camera guys to either just separate, divide, and conquer at various points in the rally. Um, and Jonah had a blast driving his car on the rally. That's a... Uh, I know a, a big thing for him that he loves uh, joining on. So the people we had on our team this year was Andres Almarza from AA Films. We had, obviously, Josh Way, owner of Dynamic Photoworks, and myself, Jacob Stevenson, who owns Golden Peaks Productions. Um, and then our friend Jonah, who actually has background experience in shooting uh, super, super sport bike racing, right? Yes. And yeah, he shot a lot of motorsports, uh, you know, motorcycle motorsport stuff. So he's got a background in photography. Um, and now he works for a different company, but not in the creative field. Mm-hmm. He still likes the creative field. And we're going to have a series of podcasts coming out around the Crown Rally event since there are two more yet this year. And we'll talk with the owners, the organizers, and then we'll also talk with the other people on our team, which is Jonah and Andres. We'll give them a chance to kind of speak for themselves and what they do and how we met. 
but this rally was the first of three and so there's a lot of prep going into it we acquired some new equipment as you've seen on social media we got a flow cine black arm um, to replace our rig wheel slingshot isolator which was fantastic but it's just time to level up if you will Yep, as well as the uh, DJI Inspire 2, which was, this was the first time I really put it to work, um, and it, it performed awesome, and we'll go over a little bit that, uh, more of that uh, later in the podcast. So what gear did we bring on this, this rally, Josh? Oh, yeah, yeah, the gear. So, um, like we mentioned with the black arm, that really stepped up the game with the camera car, the, the primary camera car on Jacob's 1 Series. Um, it, from our experience on the 1500 miles we drove on this rally, uh, we were very impressed. Although we did break one thing on it, the one of the the dampeners, oh yeah, blew out. Yep, the the up and down axis, whatever you call that, the bounce, the bounce, <laughs> the anti bounce. <laughs> yeah. So inside of the primary part of the black arm, you got the four different springs that that absorb the primary jolt of a bump but then inside of that you got the dampener that uh you know helps with the rebound and doesn't yeah. doesn't make it shocking like a spring um and then i think after the 1500 miles it was it was pretty toast it was leaking fluid all over so that one we're going to need to replace yeah we basically ran that for all 1500 miles of the car or the car rally um i yeah. kind of remember when i received it in the mail it looked a little weepy but i just thought you know shock absorbers use oil and oil seeps but yeah i think that was a preliminary sign of what what eventually happened so we still had dampening by the end of the trip and there might be as a few more runs left but that that damp adjustment is all the way hard yeah they're adjustable correct how many they're like 25 way adjustable dampeners yes i don't know if 25 exactly but it's definitely adjustable like with a little dial on the top of it and those i mean we were overall extremely impressed with you know the rebound action Mm -hmm. on the on all three axes on this uh on this black arm and we're we're going to be running it all the rest of the year for yeah. sure it's we hit it's, it on the front of the car at the bonneville soft flats we did about 120 and the footage was still very usable yeah so it, it speaks for itself that compared with the or combined with the ronin 2 it is a perfect setup yeah the regular gear is the inspire and the fs5 that we talked about and then like you said the we had a sony a7s2 we had a sony a6300 we had multiple gopros we had um, audio recording equipment on the rig, which was a new oh, setup yeah, tell, for us. Yeah, tell us about that. So this is the first time you put a mic on the exterior of the rig car. We mounted it to the top of like the black arm on the rig. What was that microphone you're using? That was just the shotgun microphone from the Sony FS5, basically like the kit mic that you get when you order it. Um, inside of a Rycote blimp and then the, their super-duper wind muffle, I think is what they call it. So, and based on what we've seen so far, how much of that is useful with it with it pointing backwards off the back of the car much much more is usable um off the front of the car as you can imagine it's pointing directly into the wind so you've got anything past you know 60 maybe 70 miles an hour you've just got this constant like but it's not cackly wind so a lot of these cars are louder than the wind noise as it is Um, and if anything it will be just a placeholder it helps actually input uh, audio in the correct locations yeah yeah it'll be great scratch audio scratch audio that's the term i was looking for um, so that's kind of the gear. Um, I want to talk about the Inspire a little bit more now. I flew it kind of at the big stops in the rally. So throughout the four-day rally, um, they had various stops that were kind of special, right? So the big one was, of course, the Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah. 
that I would wanted to really feature that well with with the Inspire 2 with um, the capability of changing out the lenses. Um, and for the most part, I was actually running the 50 millimeter lens because it just adds such a nice compression on there. Something that's so hard to get uh, from anything else uh, from an uh, from an aerial system. Um, most you know small drones, consumer drones, they're running like about a a 20 to 25 millimeter lens on there, and that's not zoomable. It's not you know it's just fixed um, fixed in place and. That's just sort of what we've gotten used to seeing from drones. So now we're able to, with the Inspire, get that great compression off the 50 millimeter that really added a nice, nice uh, effect on all the shots I was getting with the cars that were doing the one mile drag down the salt. Um, And then as well as um, Pikes Peak the day before that, um, I flew the drone up there mostly with the 50 again and really got some great compression up there on America's Mountain. America's Mountain. America's Mountain. Pikes Peak, Colorado, 14,114 feet. Something like that. Sure, sounds great. Yes, is the answer. Um, So that's kind of the gear. Um, But, however, a lot of planning went into this. Tom and Justin, who run Crown Rally, are the brains behind it all. Whether or not we get that information right away or a little bit later, we do our best to plan. We get the routes, we get the time breakdown, they call it their master plan. And from there, we kind of coordinate stops that that we want to see on camera, either stationary or leading a pack of cars through. Um, Right. Organizing a rally is no small feat. So um, for Justin and Tom to provide us with an exact plan of what they want is sort of sort of impossible so they rely on us based on our years of experience in the rally game to kind of either fill in the gaps or suggest options to them and and just be able to be flexible on on the rally itself to be like oh, i want to go over here and i want to do this and right and uh kind of you know having that uh intuition to know what they want and what we know will look good so yeah, there's a lot of planning that went into it, and we got a lot of great feedback from the organizers. But mm-hmm. there's also a lot of on the go. Let's go do this, and right. it's you know it's it, some it's, of it's, it's one of those things that, as commercially branded as our companies are in creating content like perfectly with multiple takes, um, much like shooting weddings, no matter how much planning goes into a rally for your shots and for your ideas on paper, it ends up being somewhat run and gun. And it's like, how do you get ahead of the ball and create the shots that you want? using everybody else's schedule, right? We can't stop the rally and get that shot we want. It's all about positioning ourselves ahead of that opportunity. Right, because I think there was um, there was over 100 cars pre-planned to be on this rally, but after yep. the COVID situation, I think it was just under 100 cars. Yep. Um, so yeah, like Jacob said, there is no stopping this thing. So yep. much of our strategy for shooting is we kind of start at the front of the pack at the beginning yep. of the day, um, knowing what stops we have ahead, for instance, Pikes Peak or Bonneville Salt Flats, knowing uh, if we want to catch a roll in for that, those particular things, like we have to stay ahead, which means we have to leave the hotels early in the morning because we can't drive as fast as some of these car, uh, ralliers are going to be driving. <laughs> or we don't want to drive <laughs> as fast as they go. Yeah, some of these people, um, I won't include names, but they, they, drive, they drive quite fast. So what was, what was the top speed I think we heard to... 
217. On the road or on the on Bonneville? Well, allegedly in Mexico. Yeah, so I, there was definitely some people that were touching over 200 miles an hour at various points. Um, so that's not what our, cap- our camera cars are capable of. So in order to get people, the full groups rolling into certain spaces, places, um, we have to leave early. It's like we have our, we've got our own little you know, logistical team meetings that we have with the four of us before each event, kind of planning out the day and, and monopolizing on both of the camera cars. So the second car that we talked about was Jonah's and typically I would throw Josh into that car and he would be able to get out ahead and capture those group rollers that then, you know, hopefully the one series is still leading, assuming they haven't exceeded, you know, our speeds and capabilities of filming them. Um, yeah. And I, I went ahead, um, Particularly, I went. I, we left the group probably 45 minutes ahead of the official launch when we were going to Pikes Peak. That was the first day of the official rally. Yeah. Um, and I did that in order to get up on the mountain. Um, I think I was set up at about 11,500 11, feet um, to get my drone up in the air. <laughs> I wasn't even sure what the legalities were as far as I found on the internet. Um, it was a gray area. There was there was places that said you can't fly, and there was other people that said you can fly um, at various uh, heights on the mountain. You, as an FAA certified and insured pilot, what do you go off of? Do you go off of word of mouth, or do you go off of like DJI's website well, or the flight tracker? Yeah, I think you kind of have to. You have to do all of them. You have to look at. Um, you have to look at the state laws. You have to look at your local uh, city law ordinances. Um, and then, of course, the, the no-fly maps, um, looking at all those things. And then once you're actually on location, you're, you're, if you have service on your phone, which I'm running to be a monitor, um, it connects and it'll also tell you on the DJI no-fly map as well. Um, and it flew fine. There was no no-fly zones. I, I did see there was some, you know, drone prohibited stuff down below but then we got the thumbs up from a ranger who came right past me when i was flying so as far as i know <laughs> we were good to go and uh, the it's only in- thing i ran into on that moment was um i didn't buy the high pitch props for my drone um so the result of that was top speed was reduced i was tapping out the motors i was getting warnings popping up on my drone that says max uh, speed and is that all because of the altitude? Yeah, so the props can only you know turn so much air uh, per rotation, and at eleven, twelve thousand feet, the air is much thinner, so the lift is is uh, much less. The props have to turn faster to keep the same amount of lift. Um, I was able to get my shots. I, I kept it slow, and and we were dealing with some probably twenty mile an hour gusts as well up at that altitude. So I was keeping it slow. I was keeping it calm, and I wasn't uh, overreaching with my drone by sending it a mile away at a time. But I got what I needed. I think the results are going to speak for themselves. Yeah, we're excited to share that with you guys. On our social medias, we've got a lot of pictures and quick iPhone BTS videos, but we didn't actually film a full YouTube video from this first event. We've got. Five, probably six more rallies between Crown Rally, Corsa Rally, and Savage Rally, and a potential couple other 
events that people have reached out about so you can expect to see you know more of a bts look from this versus just hearing our voices talking about on a podcast right this was the first rally we did all year and the first time we used the black arm so it's kind of a shakedown for that and we were we wanted to shoot more videos for our youtube channel but that will come in uh, future um rallies next month so speaking of rallies let's talk about running the rally which of let's say i think there were four full days of driving <clears throat> at least four days of the event two days of travel on either side for us um, what was your favorite day i think my favorite day was definitely the bonneville um experience i had never been to bonneville and I it's every bit as alien as you could possibly imagine i want to film so many just like doomsday movies there yeah so it's uh I got a few people that messaged me after that event. They were curious about how it works there. And they said, is it open to the public? Um, and the answer is yes. It's public land. It's it's always open. Um, you can drive out on the salt anytime you want. And you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. There's really no... Well, a cop did roll past, but he doesn't drive out on the salt. Um, but there's like a road, an entry road out there. And I think he's just kind of coming out to check it out. But From the organizer of the event, um, the Bonneville Salt Flats committee or whatever they kept saying their motto was you know keep your eyes up keep looking forward because there aren't there's no distinguishing objects that you pass to understand how fast you're going or how far away you are from something it's like being on a boat too so a little bit cross traffic can be coming from any direction so you kind of have to keep your head on a swivel to to make sure there's nobody doing a 180 mile an hour run you know at the op at your at your nine o'clock coming toward you so you, you have to you have to be smart out there. It's, it's, it's huge, wide open space, but that doesn't mean accidents can't happen. Um, Speaking of accidents, um, we are pretty good at having accidents, and the, the one series rig car ended up having an accident, and, and that of which we thought maybe our thermostat is stuck. So each of these days, starting in Denver, ending in Vegas, was about 100 degrees, and I had just had the shakedown through the car, and... Um, you know, cooling system flush, oil change, check out all the gaskets, BMWs leak oil. This one actually is not leaking oil, so that's good. Yeah. But we've concluded that we think the thermostat is stuck because just about every day, the entire day, 500 miles a day in 100 degree heat, we had the heater on full, on as hot as it goes, and blowing on us every day. So your car was just kind of struggling, I think, with, with two things, was the altitude. Yep. Um, but and especially anytime you had to go uphill in general, the heat would just climb that engine temperature. We saw it as high as about 250 degrees monitoring the coolant temperature. Um, and that's actually when I got the first ever, I've never had this in this car, which is surprising. All of my old BMWs have overheated and or exploded. Um, and beep, 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 you know, overheat warning. We stopped at a McDonald's and had some food and then kept going on our way. Yeah, I got to a point where, I mean, we're having a good time on the rally just because we love what we do, but yeah. it was basically like torture at the same time. It was like, saunas are great, but this was not a great sauna. <laughs> this was just a, yeah, saunas are great when you have a nice wet towel over your head, but <laughs> this got to the point where you're feeling like your organs are actually cooking because it's like a hundred and twenty well, degrees the in the car at any one time at any one it was like what 99 degrees outside plus blowing 84 degree and don't trust jacob's math because he was said it's 100 <laughs> degrees plus 85 degrees which is the temperature of the which no is, those don't add up we were, but we were regardless we were overheating in about every sense so but we it was man is a manageable overheat it was the car uh, crossed 190 
thousand miles. So I think we're just sitting at about one hundred ninety-one thousand miles after the event here. And beyond like just the cooling thing, which we we believe is repairable, the car ran great. Yeah, I mean it was a little down on power up at the high altitudes. But other yeah. than that, no wheel issues, no braking, no powertrain issues. Yep. So the the car's got, I think, a lot more life left in it, and you're planning to use it for all of the remaining rallies this year, correct? Correct. Yeah, we've yep. got the next Crown Rally, which is Minneapolis to Chicago, and then actually we're tacking on two more days in bombing from Chicago. The night Crown Rally ends to launch with Corsa Rally in the Biltmore State come the next morning. Then we follow that down to Orlando, Florida, which then it will be shipped back to Minnesota. And then come October, we've got two rallies. One with Savage Garage, and we've got a second rally, or the third rally with Crown Rally. And that's the one that goes from uh, Chicago into Knoxville, Nashville, to the Dragon area. What was some of your favorite cars on the rally? I'm a BMW guy, but my all-time favorite car is a Viper ACR. So there was a green and black Gen 4 Viper ACR, which looked like the hardcore edition, which is, you know, full full track ready. So did I see um, toward the end, of, I think it must have been on the last day, did he have a mm-hmm. blowout? It looked like it. There was a couple cars, actually quite a handful of cars, ended up having some popped tires, and he was with a Porsche guy, um, and they were just bombing back towards Vegas. That last stretch, that last day, was five hours of across desert and Well, and technically small six hours, according to Google, but wow. most people did it in under five. Yeah. Well, our average speed was about 100. 105 with camera rig stuff yeah um and (laughs) that one was interesting because here we are it's it's like the sun is going down we're expecting it to finally get cooler we've been in standing in bonneville all day out in the sun i'm roasted like a lobster um and it's it's hot it's like 100 degrees and finally the sun's going down yes it's going to dip into the 90s possibly 80s it got hotter and no it did so we're in northern nevada and i think we saw it get down to 81 degrees maybe on the car yep um and then we went into like we crossed over another little hump and we got down in another valley and the heat skyrocketed back up to 106 degrees um, all the way into Vegas for another couple hours. Oh, and Vegas it was is just <laughs> disgusting. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. And it's still 106 I think, degrees. I think we went to sleep at 1 a.m. after getting In-N-Out Burger, and my phone said 111 degrees. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it was actually closer to 2 by the time my head hit the pillow. Dang. So. Okay. Well, 1, 2. You lose, you lose track of time on these events because you're crossing so many time zones, and you're exhausted. Yeah. Um, what else for notable events? What was your favorite car? My favorite car. Um, well, it's always you good. You can't say Porsche. It's always good else. to say, see my old friend David Lockhart, whom we met last year, and he's got a Porsche, uh, uh, a nine nine one Turbo S, which with a big turbo upgrade, and I think he's running high octane stuff i think he's like running 106 octane yep all in the mountains um, like race gas pike's peak he wanted to do some high octane testing she said he was data logging and everything so he's just a a great rallyer a great a great friend to have on these things um he hands out his car is wrapped in a whole hot wheels um livery and uh he has kind of a deal with hot wheels where he gets a bunch of hot wheel cars and he hands them out to everyone he can and kids that come and love the car i think that's really cool um, but if it's not, if I can't say Porsche, I would say the carbon fiber GTR. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah. Not carbon fiber GTR. Oh. I would say my favorite car and story 
is uh, from the blue with white stripes Ford GT, which is the Hennessy mm. 1000 horsepower car. Yeah, get this. It is supercharged and, and twin, twin turbo. So it's twin charged, and he's got, yeah, around about 1,000 wheel horsepower. And 1,300 torque. He told me he's got 700 foot-pound torque at 2,000 RPMs. He said he spins them, like he can light the tires up in like fourth and fifth gear you know how that would just be a riot to drive yeah well i drove dan shonick's a couple years ago and i was terrified i didn't even put it at past half throttle because dan shonick was what just a huge like he had a big pro charger that's what it was um uh blower on his and he said well on corn he was running like 1500 horsepower so it was not a machine i wanted to push without more time in it especially just like rolling down the highway because it'll just snap out and you'll crash and that's Um, an expensive car to crash yeah, not well. That one was a salvage title car, but you know he's still got the money put into the motor, so I don't want to wreck it. But regardless, um, the guy with the blue GT on this one, great guy. Uh, first time on the rally, he saw us rip through his uh, uh, place in Tennessee last year. That's how he heard about us. Is yeah. He saw us all ripping past. He's like, I gotta join this. And yep. next thing you know, he's on our rally for the first one this year, and he was uh, he was a cool dude. Him and, and he, his wife, and he's uh, got a story too. That, well, yeah, we shall, we'll let that come out maybe on Crown Rally, but he did have some engine trouble uh, for a full day, and, and then he, he fixed it. He fixed it with like bubble gum and you know duct tape, and got it going again. He said it was running better than ever, and he and he met up back with us in Salt Lake City and Finished. went all the way to the end at Las Vegas. So that's crazy. Really cool. Ford GTs are awesome. So COVID-19, the pandemic, which we're all dealing with. Is it pandemic um, or epidemic? Pandemic. Uh, <laughs> although now I can't remember what the difference is. Well, one is global and one is like national or something I like don't that. Know. The virus, uh, which is shutting everything down. Um, somehow Justin and Tom and the gang at Crown Rally were able to continue doing this rally despite the lockdowns everywhere and all the crazy rules from all the different state governments. Um, so they're kind of rock stars. They got this thing to happen. and yeah, We crossed four or five state lines. Five states. And the event was completely approved and agreed you know, between Crown Rally and the government. Each and state government, yep. And it, it happened. So the only thing we really encountered was occasionally having, like, being forced to wear a mask, which is a small sacrifice that we all had to make to participate on this thing, which I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yep. Um, you know, the planes, you so, know, right, right on a plane, you require a mask. Yep. And any, um, like, dinner venue or casino or hotel we went into um, often required a mask, which is no big deal. You do it. Yeah, until you um, serve food or drink, then you could take it off, obviously. To yeah, whenever you're si- like basically the rules, whenever you're seated, you could take it off uh, because you can't eat through a mask. Um, but yeah, I think just a big shout out to Crown Rally for, for you know getting through all the red tape and putting on this rally. I think that was really, really cool. I think, and you guys can correct me if we're wrong, but I think Crown Rally is the first, let's say, major rally event to happen in 2020 since... The launch of COVID. As far as I know, every every other rally has either rescheduled or just canceled until further notice. Um, Correct. And I know the one other figure I heard was this was the first event to happen in Denver. That was over 100 the, people? Yeah, of this size all year. Like, well, since like the shutdown, which was right. like in March. 
So, yeah, they obviously had a good plan in place, and Denver trusted the Crown Rally guys. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it cost more for the Crown Rally guys, but we're, we're proud of them for still pushing through and making it happen. Yep, and we're going to be doing one more next month and then one the month after. We've got technically two next month. In August, we um, do Crown Rally, and then we bomb through the night, and we do Corsa Rally. Okay, well, and Crown Rally, yeah. We've got a break until October where there will be two back-to-back rallies again. So each day, there was a, a new equally as epic route as the day before. The first day was Denver to the Avon area, or Vale, where we passed through to Pikes Peak, came down, went down into the mountains of Vale and Aspen, and then stayed there for the night. And then we woke up and we went from Avon to Salt Lake City. And that was just kind of a big driving day, all back roads, which was incredible. I think that this rally was actually the, the most minimal amount of time that we've spent on an interstate, which is really cool because a lot of times rallies turn into a highway bomb. Um, and then arriving in Salt Lake City, we launched the next morning to do the Bonneville Salt Flats, which... Yeah, another shout out to the Crown guys. I think, I mean, they plan these routes, so you are on the interstates as little as possible. Yep. They find state highways that are amazing to drive. Yeah, I've always been impressed with Crown Rally's ability to be such a driver-focused event where the roads that you're on are actually fun and they exhaust you. And that's not because you're doing 100 miles an hour all the time like highway bombing. It's because you're driving 45 on the most tight, twisty roads. We get to the Bonneville Salt Flats and we're set up for the day. G-Technic is out there washing cars after they make their runs, which was a huge touch. I think that made it for all of the ralliers, you know, convince them basically you got to run your car on the Salt Flats. There's a lot of people kind of hesitant. You hear a lot of stories about the Bonneville Salt Flats and like how just disgusting it makes your car. Right. And if you've got bare metal showing anywhere, it'll be instant rust. But we're out there filming. We were there for probably four hours officially. And then after that, they packed up. We are just hanging out, kind of packing up our stuff. It always takes us longer. We're breaking down. I get a call from Justin. He said, hey, there's one more car that wants to break the top speed, which I think someone trapped about 180. Yeah. No, I mean, technically on the course. Like we were the last ones there. And it was the like mid-afternoon at that point and we knew we were going to be late to vegas the last one's there it's about four o'clock i think and then jacob got the phone call from justin which isn't a bad thing it's i mean they're paying for us to be out there and shooting it's what do they want us to shoot and so this black matte black aventador sv gets trailered to the salt flats and the owner just he just wants to beat the trapped time which was about 180 miles an hour so we get out there we've got some great one-on-one filming with our rig car and his car just coordinating these insane movements and shots. Yeah, photo- I got some great photos. And some drone. And then we let him go. So we sat on the edge with a long lens, probably 200 millimeters, just panning with him up and down. And he looked like he was trapping at top speed. I actually forgot to ask what he did, but he wanted over 200. Yeah. In about whatever that was, a two-mile stretch yeah. they had paved for us. Yeah, this thing looks totally incredible. It's basically the Batman spec. It's got full matte black, and then the crown livery on it was yellow, which everything. looks like sort of a bat in some yep. some uh, angles. But and then everything looks, carbon fiber. The spec yeah. on this Lambo is. So we packed up. I think we left the Salt Flats at 630. 7, 6.30, yeah. and we made it to Vegas by 10.30. Yep. There's a time difference, though. About four and a half hours we made it. Was that all? I think yeah, so. I think I think Google Maps has it has it at five hours, like fifty nine, like literally six hours. Yeah, yeah. So we made good time. Um, but yeah, the salt flats. I would absolutely go again. I think it was an incredible, incredible experience to be out there, and it's basically like it's sort of like hallowed ground for motorsports. I mean, it's a place yeah. 
where world records are held and yeah. you know, land speed records are held and being out there, it feels special. It feels like there's history there. And, yep. um, I can't wait to go back yeah. and, I'd, and I'd love to go back for the actual salt Bonneville salt flats. Um, you know, speed runs like the full event, the real that event, which I think happens in August. We can make a shutter speed video out of it. We should. Let's go. All hey, right. anyone who wants to support that, uh, buy our merch. We just got some merch too. Yep. We're uh, working on shirt designs and we've got stickers and we've got shirts and stickers. So right now we don't have anything like online on a, on a, like for sale, a store. But if you want something, um, give us a message, send us a message or, uh, reach out to us on social media, or whatever. We could uh, be, we'd be happy to uh, facilitate you getting that stuff. Merch um, is in process. Let's see. Today is Wednesday, July fifteenth. We've been yep. home from the rally for three days, and I am wearing um, our first run of t-shirts. We yeah. only ordered a few uh, to start us off, but I'm wearing it. It's got our logo on the front, flag on the right uh, shoulder, and then our big production crew logo on the back, which is cool. It's comfortable. And as far as I know, my car is still in Vegas. Yeah, so tell us what's going on. I know your co uh, uh, Jonah is kind of worried about his the state car, of his car. His car is probably mm, 10 times as valuable as mine. <laughs> so it's two days after we left them. Yeah, I think and we, they we flew out Monday morning. The cars were supposedly going to get picked up Monday. The transport broke. From what we understand, the, basically the transmission exploded. So they had to send a new truck to get the car supposed to get it yesterday and then okay now the car is supposed to get picked up today and we'll see what happens tomorrow so so now jonah's uh getting a little <laughs> worried and he's like if i don't get my car shipped by tomorrow i'm flying back out there and gonna drive it home <laughs> so <laughs> i, I guess i don't him. blame him because also all of our camera gear is in my car so yeah you know, we just shipped all the gear inside the car built and boxed and locked up um, but i don't have any gear as of now to do any projects so as soon as that gets back we'll get the video projects rolling as well yes sir and ahead also are more rig car breakdown videos and um, more like jacob said before more uh, information about crown rally we're hoping to have the organizers on the podcast as well as the rest of our camera crew talk about what they thought about crown rally those will be spread out over the coming weeks um yeah as well as the crown uh the rig car stuff um, but until then, I think that is it for now. Let us know what you want to see or hear more of. Uh, send us a message. Write us in the comments. Um, follow us on Spotify and Apple uh, for all of our podcasts. And thank you all for listening. We will catch you on the next one.